Welcome to The Other Side of 40. My name is April Grant, and I'm here to help women make positive changes with their lives after the age of 40. Let The Other Side of 40 become your community to find inspiration and support to start the next chapter of your life. Welcome to this week's episode of The Other Side of 40. Today we have Robin Leggett, who helps women over 40 who are feeling old gain confidence, overcome life's obstacles, and look, feel, and live agelessly. She does this through online coaching, workshops, and events designed to help women embrace their athletic potential and move from feeling old to living bold. Oh, and I need this because uh, <laughs> COVID, especially, my goodness, has mm. really worn on my body. <laughs> Uh, Robin herself is a later in life athlete who spent 11 years as a roller derby skater before coming, becoming an obstacle racer in her 40s. In the last five years, Robin has completed over 60 Spartan races and has stood on multiple age group podiums. By doing so, she has experienced firsthand the far reaching benefits of athletic aging for physical, mental and emotional health. And her passion is helping other women do the same. So that was an exciting bio. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robin. So as I start out, can you tell us a little bit about your awakening moment? My awakening moment happened back in 2003. I was just about to turn 29 years old. I had recently, or about Six months earlier, I had moved to Los Angeles. Um, I moved from Fresno, California, which is a kind of a small mid-sized city. And then I moved to LA, which is a big city. And um, when I moved here, I, I just moved here to move here. Like I, I still live in LA, but I, I had a couple of friends. I had, you know, my sister lives here, but I didn't have a social circle. I didn't have friends. I was commuting across town to a job I didn't like coming home and being alone most of the time. And I just, I felt lost here. And LA can be a really difficult city to find your way and navigate and get to know. If you don't know people, it could be Definitely. difficult. Yeah. So I had hit a point where it's like, do I even belong here? Do I, did I make a huge, huge mistake? And I was just so miserable. And what I did was I went on Craigslist, which in 2020 sounds like the most ridiculous thing to do to <laughs> make friends, but <laughs> social media didn't exist back then. So right. I went on Craigslist and they have a section, or at least they did back then. I haven't been on in a while called activity partners. And oh. it's, it was, you know, ads for, you know, groups, meetups, things like that. And I stumbled across an ad for a, an upstart brand new roller derby league called the LA Derby Dolls. Um, and I was really intrigued by that idea. It's like, I, I was, I had an awareness of roller derby. I was, I'm a kid of the eighties. I, I roller skated my whole life. I always had a pair of roller skates, thrift store skates, whatever growing up, but I was never an athlete. Like I didn't play sports. I was the kid who was picked last for teams, but I used to watch old footage of roller derby. And I just thought it looked like the coolest thing. It's a full contact sport on roller skates. Sure is. And I, so I saw this ad and I was like, I really got to check this out. And so, you know, and it was scary to go to a practice. I didn't know who I'd meet. I didn't know what it would be like. I didn't know if I'd be completely out of my element, but 
the nice thing is when I, when I went to that practice, the league was new. It only been around for a couple of months. So everybody there was kind of like me, like they all were a bunch of people who felt lost in the city and didn't know people and, and were trying to find their people. And so, you know, I, I got hooked right away. Like I, I knew I was in the right place pretty much immediately. And it, it launched basically the entire trajectory of the rest of my life thus far. Um, you know, I, I ended up playing roller derby for 11 years, Wow! which yeah, like most people spend about two, three years doing it. But when I like something, I really, really, really like it. I see you dig into it. You, I you dig in. in. Yeah. Okay. So I went all in, like my whole life was about roller derby. People who didn't play roller derby in my, in my life only kind of understood what my life was about, but people who played, they got it. Yeah. Um, I discovered my own athletic potential in that time pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I saw my body changing. I saw my confidence changing and I was able to call myself an athlete for the first time in my life, which was a really cool feeling. Um, I made friends, you know, the, the community in roller derby was the type of community that you could go to any city and have a couch to sleep on. Uh, because it, it started when I joined, there were only maybe four leagues in the world, um, but it grew over the years and it's, it's, what's interesting is it's still very underground. There's still plenty of people who don't know roller derby exists, yeah. but it's worldwide there. You go to any city and there's roller derby. Well, I'm from California and actually me and my friend used to take our sons to go watch roller derby derby because well, one, it was indoors, yeah. you know, you didn't have to sit outside, but it also showed a lot of athleticism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was something that we can kind of do. The moms would actually enjoy it. Some, the sons, the kids would kind of talk and walk around and they would be safe and enjoy the inside. And this was out in Fontana. Okay. Um, yeah. So we would, we would was go. Inland Empire roller derby? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I know. Yep. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we had fun and I thought about joining the league back then, but it was just too, too much at the time because my husband's commute he just got home too late there's just no way i could there was nothing i could do with my son by himself right and i just didn't want to kind of take him and you know have him sit on the sideline while i did that so um i didn't think it was a great time but now you're making me think about that again and yeah <laughs> and maybe because i because <laughs> i've i've had um skates mm -hmm. almost most of my life until I did the, I moved here and then I used to, I had rollerblades. Mm -hmm. um, and when I moved here, for some reason, those rollerblades disappeared. I have no idea where they went. They don't seem to be in the garage. They're definitely not in my closet. So I'm going to have to invest in some more. I actually like rollerblades better, but that's just a personal preference. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you roller derby on inline right yeah they don't the way the the modern roller derby resurgence happened they like the women who started it it started back in 2001 in austin texas and the women who started it just made a decision it's like we're going to do this on quad skates it's old school mm -hmm. it's retro yeah and that's how it grew so yeah. i think you became, have better balance because of the contact as well yeah there's pros and cons to both i think you can get some good speed on inlines um mm -hmm. But, you know, and there's pe people have preferences. I have always been a quad skater my whole life. I did the inline thing in the 90s because that's what everybody that's did in the did. 90s, right? <laughs> yeah. So there was that period where I did inlines, but like the second I could go back to quads, I was more than happy. So I, you know, I, I retired from roller derby in 2014, um, but I, I still have two pairs of really nice skates. 
Um, and it's been nice, you know, in the, in the, in COVID times, I go out every Saturday morning for the last month and a half. I think I've gone out every Saturday morning, just skated by myself. Yeah. So it's just been nice. And roller skating is having its own resurgence in the pandemic. It's become this huge trend because yeah. it is a thing that you can just go out and and do and, and get do, exercise. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's really popular. It's actually very hard to get skates now. Yeah. Well, that's but, the same uh, with bikes. We, we, I didn't look for skates, but for bicycles, it's the same. Um, we got a bike and at the beginning of COVID we were going out, I was going out maybe four or five times a week. Now I'm like, ah, but it's also hotter. I'm, you know, now I'm in Florida okay. and it's like 95 degrees outside with, you know, 75% humidity. It's yeah, awful. That's not fun. No. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm in LA. Okay. It was it was in the sixties and I got out at seven o'clock this morning and there's a yeah. little path by my house that I could skate. But but yeah. yeah, roller derby, you know, I saw in myself, like first of all, I, I couldn't get into a workout to save my life. Like I would try different workouts before roller derby and I'd get bored after a while and I'd stop. And roller derby was the first thing that not only did I stick with that sport, but it made me want to cross train to get mm. better at that sport. So um, what I, what the difference for me that has worked for me is that roller derby is physically and mentally challenging at the same time. So okay. I was never just mindlessly out there. Like you have to be on and alert because yeah. you're playing offense and defense at the same time. And there's a lot happening. And if you don't want to be on your butt, you know, you got to, got to be alert. And then sometimes you're just on your butt anyway. But, um, and so I was really excited by that. And so that's what I've sought to continue for my life is pursuing the types of physical challenges that are also mentally challenging as well. Okay. And I find that it, it's really empowering to, to work on something that is outside your comfort zone, that is hard. Mm -hmm. And then when you find yourself making progress, learning how to do something that you have been working really hard on and maybe at some point in your life never imagined that you'd ever be able to do you feel pretty good about it like it, it it's pretty empowering so so that's that's sort of the direction my life has taken some other things that have happened through roller derby so i've made friends for life i met and married my husband oh um i met him at a at a skaters party we got engaged at halftime of a game uh, if you Google roller derby proposal, you will find it pretty easily. Aww. It's, it was, it's on video and we got married on the track. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That yeah. definitely means you're part. It was, it became integral to your life for it a was, long I mean, period. He, yes. He became our stats keeper for a long time. He became our Aww. DJ. Like he got involved so he could see me more because oh. when you, when you play roller derby, you're gone a lot. Like you yeah. have a lot of practice. You're not home. So he found ways to get involved so that he could spend more time with me. Um, so yeah, it's like, I, and then I changed my career. I found a new career because I was eventually, eventually I started teaching skaters. I did training for skaters and I really loved helping them be able to do things they never imagined they could do. And I was like, well, if I could do that for skaters, can I do that for everybody? Right. So I went back to school and got my training certification and became a fitness professional. And that all came from this deciding to go to that first practice back in November of 2003, that catalyst. Wow. So yeah, that my life has completely changed because I decided, yes, I will try this scary thing. So, okay. So you started skating and then you turned that into uh, actually fitness training and getting a degree in it. Was that at the tail end of your career in the middle of your roller derby career at the middle that or... was like mid to late. So okay. I remember I, I got married in 20. So I started playing in 2003. 
I got married in 2010 and it was around then that I was, I, I kind of took stock of my life and I was working jobs I didn't like and it was, it was not going anywhere. Prior to, to moving to LA, I was a radio DJ. Oh, So I had a completely <laughs> different life, but, yeah. but that's what I like to say about radio is it's a fun job and a not as awesome career. Uh, it's, there's instability. You have to be willing to move all over and that just wasn't something I wanted to do. So I got out of radio. Um, but I couldn't find what I wanted to do. And I took stock of my life. There was a moment right after I got married, I'd been unemployed for a year and a half. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? What do I want to do? And the thing I landed on is uh, I really love training these skaters. Like that's when I'm happy is, is teaching the skaters that I work with, teaching them new things and seeing them make progress. And so how can I turn that into a career? And I did my research and I found, um, UCLA Extension has a fitness. Woo, woo. Yeah, are you that's a my, UCLA grad? Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my uh, that's my alma mater. So nice. Yeah. We, my husband's USC, so we're te- oh, uh. technically USC house, but um, <laughs> but I'm U- I'm a UCLA Extension graduate. Go for uh, it. So I say that counts. Um, yes. So I found UCLA Extension had a it's called a fitness instruction certificate program. So I could take classes online and at night while I was working or doing whatever I was doing. Um, and I spent about a year and a half. I got into that program, spent about a year and a half and got the certificate. And that led me to get my certifications as well, like my actual fitness certifications. So I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a certified personal trainer. Um, and that all came from, I went back to school, basically took all the science classes that my mass communications degree did not require. <laughs> so what did you do after? So you got your degree and then it seems like you did a lot more athletically. So what else did you pursue athletically? So, well, roller derby, I kept playing until 2014. And towards the tail end of roller derby, I also started running a little bit and getting into like 5Ks, 10Ks, and eventual half marathon. Um, I ran, my first half marathon was the weekend of my 40th birthday. Okay. So that was sort of, that was a big like milestone. I'm turning 40 and I'm running a half marathon. And I did a Disney Avengers fun oh, yeah. half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And so roller derby, I decided to hang up my skates in 2014. And I did that for a number of reasons. You know, I was commuting to practice. The commute was pretty far. Um, I, because I got into fitness as a career, what tends to happen when you work in fitness is you start working earlier and earlier in the day because people mm-hmm. tend to like to work out early. And so yeah. I was getting up really early in the morning to teach boot camps. And then going to practice to skate at, you know, 7.30 at night till 9.30 or 10 or 10.30, I wasn't getting enough sleep. So I realized that it's like, I have to make a choice and step away. So I stepped away from skating, but I wasn't done doing athletic things. Like my body was fine. I stepped away right after I turned 40 and that was, or yeah, it was the month after I turned 40 and I was still ready to do more. So I didn't know what that would be for a while. I kind of, I was, I got into CrossFit a little bit. I'm like, maybe I'll do these competitions and you know, I, I enjoyed it. I felt strong, but I, it wasn't it. Um, and then in December of 2015, I, I was running an outdoor boot camp at the time I was, you know, training and I decided I wanted to take my group and do like an end of year bonding activity. And what I decided was we'd do a Spartan race. Okay. And so we had a Spartan race in Los Angeles. It was a, you know, five mile race on a trail with obstacles. That's what these races are like. You run and then you go over a wall or you crawl in bar, under barbed wire, climb a rope, monkey bars, yeah. things like that. 
Um, so we did this bonding activity. I had 14 people with me. We all ran this race and they were like, yeah, that was great. That was fun. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want to keep doing these. I, this is it. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the, this is the athletic this uh, is, endeavor. This is the next thing for me. Yeah. And I, we call it a roller derby. We call it, what's your retirement sport? What's your, you know, what do you do when you retire? And I found that this type of sport was hitting the same sort of adrenaline centers for me as roller derby did. It was physically and mentally challenging. Um, I got to see milestones by learning a new skill, whether it's going across monkey bars for the first time or climbing a rope for the first time. But it, I always had something new to work on. Yeah. And I liked that. It wasn't just working out for working out's sake. I was learning hard skills yes. and then feeling that sense of satisfaction. So I just got really into, you know, because when I get into something, I get into something. You commit. I commit. <laughs> I, got, I got really into Spartan Race and I just started running them all the time. Anytime I could get to one. Um, How far did you thank- travel for them? The farthest I've ever traveled um, is Wisconsin. Okay. Wait, no, West Virginia. <laughs> oh, that, well, that's, <laughs> that's a big difference. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I've done. I did one at Lambeau Field where the Green Bay Packers play. Because my husband's a Packer fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a race there, but I did a three race weekend in West Virginia in 2018. Uh, they call it a trifecta, where it's their three different lengths of race. They, they call it sprint is about three to five miles. A super is, you know, six to eight miles. And then a beast is 12 to 14 miles. And they, every so often, they'll do a weekend where you can do all three. Wow. Um, and so I went out to West Virginia. It was the North American Championships. And I did all three in the weekend. It was, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, I'm listening to you. I'm like, oh, th- three to five. Okay, got that. And then yeah. six to eight. Uh, okay and then, and then yeah. well, well, t- so the so second is like on top of at the same weekend you know so it's, it was different so what happens is you do the longest one first right so saturday you do the i think it was 13 miles so you do that one saturday mm-hmm. and then sunday you do the middle one mm-hmm. and then you, you rest a little bit and then you do the short one mm-hmm. so it goes it goes down in length which is a little better but yeah. you know i did the long so, one and I felt fine afterwards. I felt good. Yeah. I rested that night. I sat in a jacuzzi. I was really chill. And then I got up the next morning like, yeah, I feel fine. I feel fine. I get to the start line and they tell us to go. And all of a sudden I start running. And I'm like, I feel like I've cement blocks on my feet. Like <laughs> I was completely unaware until I started. And it's like, okay, but we got to do this. And it, it was hard. Um, two more races to go. Two more races to go. And I only had a half hour between race two and race three so you just sit down you eat something and then you go back out there Uh, but it's mental you know a lot of it it's mental it's just if you commit you know this is what I tell people I coach because some sometimes they have these races these back-to-back race weekends and a lot of my clients are like I'll decide you know after I finish the first race and I'm like if you do that you will not do the second race right like I guarantee you, you will not do the second race but if you go there and you are already you've already decided I am doing these two races or these three races you'll do them right you know you figure out it's it's mental so I I, I find it's easier to not give myself the out you know yeah because you'll take it <laughs> oh definitely I mean I yeah. give myself so many outs um it's ridiculous I actually did grow up an athlete and um that that was part of reason the reason why I like team sports mm-hmm. because when I knew my teammates were relying on me, it was a lot harder to not show up yes. and not not be your whole self there. So like I played basketball, volleyball, track, and I swam. But you know, for swimming, one of the major events was a relay. 
And so I had to, you know, you have to show up and not just show up physically, but mentally, you know, you got to put on, be there, be the best for each of the, uh, each of the sports. And when it was just, whenever you put it back on me, I'm just like, ah, no big deal. (laughs) Cause I, I give myself that out. So what have you learned about coaching women over 40? Like, if they're just starting this journey, if they're just thinking about it for the first time, like I need to get myself in shape, you know, I'm getting older. I can feel my body. Cause you know, we start to feel things. Yes, <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things. First, I like to lead by example on that. If you, if you do live an active life and make that choice, you're going to feel those things a little less, which is really nice. And so I like to show by my example, I'm 45 and I don't feel these things as much um, because I, I'm active every day. I've developed a workout routine that works, works for me now. And, and that's, that leads to the second thing. Like what I do is not the same as what you might do or what somebody else might do. And I find it helps to meet people where they are both physically and mentally and emotionally. So all three. Um, so there are physical things that, you know, let me rephrase that, <laughs> but they, you know, when someone comes to me, they may only be ready to do a small amount right now. And that's okay. Any movement is better than no movement. That's what I, you know, movement is life. So if you can introduce even a couple of days of short workouts to your life, you're going to start feeling a difference. I think people and women in particular can be really hard on themselves because there's a certain expectation. Like I should be exercising five days a week or three days a week, or, you know, I should be doing this. And it's like, but where are you right now? Because, you know, do what you're ready to do right now and don't be down on yourself because you're not at another place. You're not at my place or someone else's place. But opening yourself up to stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit is the best place to start. And so that leads to the mental thing, which is confidence. Um, and I, I, I tell a, the way I explain it is confidence is circular. So, um, we think it's like, oh, I can't do this until I'm ready. Like, I can't do this workout. I have to work out to do this workout. Or I, you know, I have to prepare to do the sport. But it's like, you need to just be open and allow yourself the ability to try. The ability okay. to put on shoes and, and go outside and even walk. You know, before we talk about running. Um, but you just have to have enough confidence to do that very first thing. Whether it's show up at a gym for the first time. Which so many women are scared to do. Um, to to do the first workout, to go for a walk or go for that first jog or turn on a couch to 5k app and do the first thing it tells you to do if you want to train for a 5k. But you just have enough confidence to try that first thing. And what you're going to find is a wave of confidence comes back to you. Um, For those who, you know, I talk to people all the time where it's like, I really want to go to go back to the gym, but it's been so long and I'm scared. And I feel like people are going to judge me. And I feel like I'm going to look like an idiot. And And what I always tell them is like, just gather enough bravery to go that one time. Don't worry about any other time. Gather enough bravery to go that one time. And I promise you, you will not be scared anymore. This fear that you have will go away because all these anxieties you have are here. They're in your head. I guarantee people are not looking at you. They're not judging you. They're all feeling that same way about themselves, you know? And so just gather enough bravery to do it once. Yeah. And then when you start seeing the small changes, it's going to, the reward is more confidence. 
It's going to make you feel more empowered and more confident to then push yourself just a little bit farther and a little bit farther. But there is no same starting point for every single person. Um, Everybody's different. So I like to meet people where they are and give them grace, you know, as women over 40. I find that a lot of a lot of trainers and coaches may not do that. Um, you know, male, a lot of women that come to me, it's like, I have, I've had a male trainer and he doesn't understand why I can't do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh, I like to be a little more empathetic a, about, you know, empathetic about where people are in their lives and the anxieties that they are having that are unique to them and work with them to just nudge them further and further outside their comfort zone. So what would you recommend? So let's say, there's, I, I know you say like getting in the gym and the pro, I think the biggest issue with going to the gym is if you don't have a history of going to the gym, yeah. you don't really know what to do. So yeah. if someone were to go to the gym for the first time in their lives after 40, what, what would you even recommend them doing at like the lowest base level just to get started? Well, first of all, when I say go to the gym, um, I would recommend finding like a small studio, um, as opposed to going to like a big box gym, because that can be scary, like to go to a big gym and figure out, well, what am I supposed to do in here? And, and then all the bros are lifting the heavy weights in the corner. And, and it's, there's a lot happening that can freak you out. So, you know, I'd recommend going to, to a class in a smaller studio where you might get a little more attention um, and coaching and any, any good coach is going to be able to provide modifications for you. And they, and any studio like that, that does classes or one-on-one training, they should provide modifications based on where you're at. Um, But at the very least, like you can find a shorter class, a low intensity class um, and something that sparks your interest because I think that's important too. And that's the difference between like a smaller studio or an online coaching program versus a big box gym is finding that, that thing that sparks your interest because that's the thing that's going to keep you going. If you, if you like what you're doing and you feel good and you see progress happening, that's going to be the thing that keeps you going. Okay. Um, that sounds great. What about, you know, it's, it's the, I find it's the twofold, right? It's the exercise, but it's also the diet. Mm -hmm. So, and the diet is always that overwhelming, um, uh, piece where you don't feel like you can continue and you can't really get everything that you want from it. You kind of feel hungry. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I watch way too much TV, but uh, on one of the shows right now, uh, Real Housewives show, there's a big uh, conspiracy or controversy, not conspiracy, controversy on a super limiting diet where it's 500 calories a day and plus exercise. So um, personally, I don't think that's healthy, um, but I have no, I have no background (laughs) in any kind of nutritional or dietary thing, but it just doesn't seem like enough considering you do burn calories, literally doing nothing. Um, so if I only taking in 500 plus working out Mm -hmm. means, and I, the goal is ultimately, you know, the calorie deficit working, you know, to burn. But, um, can you talk a little bit about like, what would be good parameters for a newbie dieter that makes them feel secure to continue the diet, um, as opposed to just jumping on a fad? Yeah. First of all, don't, don't let TV tell you what you should be eating, right? Um, and especially Real Housewives. That, what you just said is really scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. Typically women, like 
here's where myths happen. First of all, women need a minimum of 1200 calories just for your organs to function, you know, and that leads to the myth of I'm going to do a 1200 calorie diet. No, <laughs> that's just for your organs to function. You still need more to fuel your life, to have energy, to all of that stuff. But if you just don't want your organs to shut down, like that's the bare minimum. We're not living on the bare minimum. You'll have no quality of life doing that. Um, I am a big advocate of small changes of sustainable small changes. So I'm not a big advocate for overhauling your diet and super restrictive diets because like you mentioned, it's hard to sustain that. And you end up on this just yo-yo all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what I do in my coaching and what I tend to advocate is picking one or two things that you can change at a time. Habits that you have that you either want to remove from your life or add to your life. So a remove might be, for example, I've talked to people who have a glass of wine every single night. And what I recommend is maybe you can limit that to one or two days. Maybe that's a treat on the weekends. But any sort of removal of that is going to be positive. It's going to be a net positive, right? Right. Even if you don't cut booze entirely, like if you just cut that down to, to two days instead of seven, that's going to result in a, in a net positive for you. It's going to reduce your calorie intake. It's, you're going to sleep better. So that's a, that's a habit that you can work on where it's like, I'm just going to do that one or two days a week instead of every single day. Um, there was a period during the pandemic uh, early on where I was eating ice cream every single night. I'm sure we all did. <laughs> you know, we, we all did our comfort eating. Yeah. Um, and so- yeah, stress eating and comfort eating. And you know what? It feels good. I enjoy eating ice cream. Like, like that's my vice. Um, I was eating ice cream every single night, but I, and I was working out every single day, but I wasn't seeing any sort of, you know, I found my progress to be limited. So, and I knew, like, I know yeah. I shouldn't be eating ice cream every single night. So it's a weekend thing now. I, you know, it's a weekend thing when I do my long trail runs and, and long exercise days. I'm like, okay, I'm still treating myself. I'm not eliminating it because I want to enjoy the things that I enjoy, but right. it's still going to be better for me if I cut it down. So picking one or two habits and an easy thing that you can do, or I say it's easy, but a thing that can really change how you approach food is reading nutrition labels and getting to know what they mean and especially sugar. So most of us eating a standard American diet, we are all eating too much sugar. Right. Um, and a lot of it is because we don't know, like we don't know how much sugar is in our food. We don't know what the serving sizes are of our food. And so one of the biggest things I like to teach is how to read a nutrition label to really understand how much sugar is in there. And there's two things to look for. One is added sugar because a lot of foods have added sugars. And if you could cut down on the foods that have added sugars, that's going to make a big difference. And the other thing is look at the serving size. So for example, I had this big uh, bottle of Gatorade and I, you know, it has like 21 grams of sugar or something ridiculous in it. And I drink the whole thing. Well, one day I looked at the label and it said it had four servings in it. <laughs> that's 21 grams of sugar per serving. serving. Right. And who is drinking a quarter of a bottle of Gatorade? Nobody. Nobody. And Nobody. so I call it sneaky sources of sugar. And it so, is. Yeah. And we're, if you don't pay attention, you're taking in all this sugar and then wondering, like, why is my energy off? Why am I not making progress? You know, all this stuff. And so if you could just look at that one thing and look at your labels and be like, 
You know, there was a period of time where I was eating tomato, a sandwich and tomato soup every day until I looked at the label for tomato soup. And I was like, oh, that's 14 grams of sugar. I don't need that. Right. Maybe I, d- I can cut that. Yeah. And so I'm not making major diet overhauls. I'm talking like pick one or two habits at a time that you can really focus on for a month or two at a time. And if you can, if you can make it two months, that's about the amount of time it takes for something like that to like really start feeling normal and locked in and it doesn't feel like work anymore. Well, I, well, I just to kind of piggyback off the serving sizes. So I have kids and um, I have always paid very close attention to the serving to the amount. And I actually water down all their drinks Mm -hmm. and, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh, but it tastes like water. And I'm like, only because you're so used to so much sugar when you do like one serving, which is only eight ounces typically Mm -hmm. in a juice. Um, And then you do eight ounces of water. And so what I do is sparkling water to kind of give it some spritzer appeal. Yeah. 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 Make Um, it a little fun, bubbly. Yeah. Make it a little fun and bubbly and stuff like that. Make it kind of more soda-ish. Then they drink that and they don't even think about the fact that they're missing out on they're being raised on that like they don't know the difference exactly and so but even for their snacks i always portion them out and don't give them the bag because it's just so all the bags and everything is made for you to overindulge yes everything is made for you to like eat the whole bag in one sitting and i'm like even with them because of covid i got a little lax on that and then I went back to it and they're like, well, why? And I was like, cause you guys are eating the whole bag in a day and really this should last all week. Like yeah. you guys are just eating because you're eating cause we're bored and we're home and you guys aren't that hungry. <laughs> you guys yeah. aren't. So, um, I curbed that and they're, they're fine cause they're used to me, but <laughs> it's just amazing. Like how much sugar, when you go back to the sugar count, I mean, it's a ridiculous account account. And even cans of soda, if you look at some cans of like regular cans of soda, it's like two servings yeah. and who's, and you talk about Gatorade, who's, yeah. who's cutting a, a can in half? No, you're not eat, drinking half a can. Cause it's no, gonna be flat. flat. Yeah. You don't want flat soda. So they trick flat. you. They so, trick you and the sugar's addictive. So you want more or the exactly. salt's addictive. Salt's another thing. That's in the oh, chips. Yeah. It's, it's addictive and you want more. You know, my husband did a thing for a while and it makes me laugh, but he, he's the type of person that if you give him a bag of chips, he will eat the whole bag of chips. Mm-hmm. And so for a while he was buying unsalted, um, unsalted almonds and sardines <laughs> as snacks. Okay. And his logic is I will only eat these if I am hungry. Hungry. <laughs> He's like, there's no extra snacking on these. Nobody's (laughs) eating sardines because they're bored. Right. (laughs) So that was his logic. And so it's like, if I, because if I buy chips, I'm eating all the chips. So he knows himself to do that. So there's, you kind of, sometimes you got to trick yourself, but, but just like educating yourself on what's in your food and what a serving size means um, can make a big difference. Cause if you can actually eat the serving that is, that it says it is, mm-hmm. that makes a difference. You know, yes. I measure my salad dressing. My husband makes fun of me because I've been measuring salad dressing for years and most like, he's like, can't you eyeball it by now? Maybe, but I prefer to measure it. Yeah. Um, and in most salad dressings, two tablespoons is the serving size. I do one. Yeah. And it's fine. If you mix the lettuce, you're going to be fine. And you get half of whatever's in there. And that's the thing. Even when I go, I don't measure it, but like when they give you like the packs, I only use half. Yeah. And then, but when you actually mix your salad well, 
it's plenty to coat the whole thing. Yeah. It, it's not, you, you don't need to drench it. it. You yeah. don't need to drench it. Yeah. And I think we've just been over, um, we've been trained to accept everything in front of us. And I was actually watching this other television show. Like I said, I watch a lot of TV and they had this one scene in a restaurant and the servers were ups- not upset, but they were kind of just talking like, you know, half these plates come back with so much food. I mean, this is more food than I would eat in a day that mm-hmm. comes back on the plate. And the other server uh, responded, well, you know, if we serve them less, they would complain. Right. So even though they would send back half the food or throw away half the food, if yeah. you only serve them the half, then people would complain that right. they didn't get enough food. Yeah. So we are in a very weird society on food and understanding how much we need, how much we want to eat, um, and a lot of overindulgence. Yes. Unnecessary indulgence. Yeah. And when they serve you these big plates, you know, some people throw food away and some people think they need to eat all of it. Yeah. Um, what I have done in restaurants that serve big servings like that is I'll ask for a box right away and I'll just put half of it in a box immediately. Yep. Take it off your plate, put it in a bag, and yep. then you have another meal. And, you're, and the money you paid for that meal goes a lot farther. Yep. And, and you talked about it with, with the snacks. And it's like when you, when you actually portion out the snacks for your kids, then you have more snacks mm-hmm. for later and your money goes farther. So it's not just about diet. It's about our lives and our budgets and in a, in a time right now when, you know, we need our money to go matters. farther, you know? So it's like you can make these, these little differences in your energy level and how you sleep and how you feel and you're going to save money. So it all is good. Yes. <laughs> all right. So um, do you have any last comments to add? Anything else you want people to know? Uh, and yeah, let's start, stop there before I ask. Well, you know, I just, my big mission and my message is to help women over 40 understand that, well, I want, I want women over 40 to embrace the idea of aging like athletes. Um, that by, I, I have a term that I have coined called athletic aging. So active aging is a common phrase. You know, you hear it all the time. I, I like to level it up and I I'm looking into athletic aging and that is really pushing beyond just movement, but really challenging yourself mentally and physically, um, in ways that, that push you and stretch you physically, um, and mentally. But the reward is that it, it can make such a huge difference in your life, uh, in your fitness, in your career, uh, you know, it, me getting into roller derby and discovering that side of myself led me to become an entrepreneur. It led me to, to become a fitness professional and eventually an entrepreneur and have the, the courage and the drive and the discipline that also came from the sport to do the work, to be, be my own boss. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's so much about your life that can change by, accepting that kind of challenge in your life. Um, And again, the word athlete can be scary to women over 40. And we've also heard a lot of messages over the years that, you know, we shouldn't do certain things, that we shouldn't do hard things, um, or we shouldn't push ourselves that hard. Um, And when you hear that message enough, you start believing it. I'm trying to get us away from that message that we do have that potential. We all have the potential to grow and expand our abilities. When I started roller derby, I had never played a sport in any sort of real way. I hadn't been into fitness. Um, I was learning everything from scratch. And, you know, towards the end when I started running, 
I think when I was skating, I, I used to joke that I would never run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I opened myself up to a 5k and then that opened me up to a 10k and then 40th birthday was half marathon in 2020. I ran my first marathon. Um, nice. so we're all on our own timeline and I didn't start there. It took me 10 years of running before I ran my first marathon. But the thing is we have, we all have this ability and this potential to expand what we are capable of achieving, but you just got to be open to it to start. And that's what I'm trying to help women do is just be open to that potential that you have inside of you that we all have to be athletes and to recognize yourself as, a, as an athlete. Nike's definition of athlete is anyone who has a body is an athlete. Yep. Um, and so I embrace that. So I hope that people listening can maybe see that idea for themselves that maybe you're, you're at a point in your life where maybe you've considered, I would love to, to run a 5k race, or I'd love to run a marathon someday or a triathlon, or I'd love to play roller derby or run a Spartan race, you know, whatever that looks like for you, that thing that you had in the deep, dark recesses of the back of your mind that you'd like to do, but for whatever reason, you've told yourself that it is not possible for you. I am here to tell you that it is. And once you open yourself up to that, your life can change in so many amazing ways. And if you need help with that, I am here. Yes. And on that note, how do they find you? They can find me through my website. I actually just got my website up and running, robinleggett.com. Yeah, R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T.com. I have on my website, I have a 21-day challenge um, for women over 40 who have fallen off their fitness routine and just need to get it restarted again. I call it Dare to be Ageless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can sign up and do this 21-day challenge where you get workouts delivered to you via an app on your phone. They're 30-ish minutes long, all body weight, simple stuff for any level. Um, everything's there, videos, countdown timers, everything. So you don't have to think about anything else other than turning on the app and doing what it tells you to do. And then I also email you daily, uh, audio messages just to give you education about like, I talk about sugar or talk about recovery or talk about your mindset. So give you a little three minute audio message every day, just to give you a little extra coaching. I call, I call it your pocket coach. Um, So yeah, you can go on robinleggett.com and look for Dare to be Ageless. If you just, if you haven't been working out and you need some place to start, that's a great place to start. Okay. So what if they just want to follow you and figure out what you're doing? Do you have any social media that they can follow? Absolutely. So um, my Instagram is at R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T-S-G-X. S-G-X is the Spartan race fitness certification. So Robin Leggett SGX is my Instagram. Um, what I haven't mentioned is I, I host a podcast uh, called okay. Seasoned Athlete, where I interview okay. athletes over 40. So um, you can find that at Seasoned Athlete as well. Um, Facebook.com slash Robin Leggett SGX if you are a Facebook person. Um, so yeah, I'm Facebook and Instagram, my primary thing. Haven't figured out TikTok yet. <laughs> well, it, you might not need to because it may be shut down in a couple of weeks. So True. that may not be something- waste my time. <laughs> You may not have to even deal with it, which, you know, as someone who spends a lot of time on social media, I am not mad at the idea that it might go away and I don't have to think about it. So, um, but it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, I will definitely be following you and I may be joining that challenge because I really that challenge. We're just, it's just launching. So yeah, hop on, get in the first group. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Other Side of 40. You can find us at our site, theothersideof40.com, and on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Other Side 40.